Welcome to the Right Fight Podcast. I'm Kenny Vaughn. I'm here with my wife, Tammy. Hello. And as you know, we're talking about how to live a loving life, but we're not talking about romantic love. Like, I mean, I guess sometimes in some way we may, I mean, I think it includes that, but what we're really talking about is what love really is. And we're talking about the kind of love that they put Jesus on a cross, the kind of love that can restore your family, kind of love that, that, that'll, that'll make you a better person in any and everything that you ever do. And so we want, we want, our goal is to peel back the onion, to peel back the, 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 the lid and try to open your eyes to what love really is. It's, it's, it's such a perverted word. Um, but all I mean by that is, is that everybody has given it so many different meanings that aren't at all what it is that, like I try to figure out how can we do this without saying the word love because it's it's so the word in most people's understanding of it is so corrupted. When I say it, they don't understand what I'm talking about. So we're trying to we're trying to pull those layers back, and sh- because we believe if you when you come to realize what love really is, what it really is, it'll set you free in ways you can never imagine. It'll be the answer to every question you ever have. I mean, literally, the right answer to every question you ever have and anything you ever do is love, but it's not a feeling, okay? It is a decision. It is a choice, and it points you the right direction. So today, we're talking about how to love your enemy, and don't let you run off because I know nobody wants to love their enemy, especially me, <clears throat> but I think this will open our eyes a little bit to what love really is and what is what does it mean to love your enemy because it here's what it does not mean it does not mean to sit around and try to drum up a feeling of love for someone that you don't even like and and i would argue that if you really if you try to make yourself like someone feel feel love for someone that you don't even like, you're you're really gonna push them further away. You're gonna push yourself further away. You you there's there's no solution in doing that. But if you understand what it really means to love them, not to feel love for them, not to have some feeling that you feel so warm and fuzzy and comfortable and you want to be around them all the time, all that stuff. Not that. But when you come to understand what it really means to love them, then over time, the feelings of love can actually return. And sometimes they don't because sometimes somebody else is not willing to love. You know, it takes two, two loving people for all that stuff to happen. But when we, when we know what love really is and we fight to live it and we know how to live it, whether we get loved or not, even when we're loving our enemies, we are set free. We, we, we don't, we're not burdened with shame and guilt and all the things that come along with, the, with, with knowing that we failed to love, that we, we failed to do what was best for someone. So I'm going to start with a funny story, and this is a little off topic, but it, it, it relates to what we're going to talk about. Tammy's going to read us a few scriptures, and we're going to share another story, and we're going to try to paint a picture of how, what it means, what it really means to love your enemies. And so, But here's the funny story. You know, I shared a story not long ago about picking somebody up, a lady up in the middle of the road and out in the middle of nowhere that was walking around. I mean, it was like, I don't know if, if you heard it, you heard it, if you didn't. It's too long to retell, but I've picked up, a, unfortunately for Tammy and the kids, I have picked a few people up. A few. 
Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, and and in the beginning, I was a little foolish, and I got pretty savvy after a while. But if I see somebody and I believe they really are in a jam, um, I don't know. I, I want to help them if I can, and uh, but I do not want to put my family at risk. So this night, we just left our house, and it wasn't far from our house. And there's a highway, and it's high speed highway, and there was a vehicle in the middle of the median, and it's pouring down, raining. And this guy had clearly, he had hydroplaned or something and lost control and he had spun off into the median. And now he's out, he's an adult male by himself. He's out of his car. I'm seeing him get out of his car. So it just happened. And he's walking off and nobody's around. And I'm like, man, this guy's getting rained on. You know, he probably needs a ride. But we had learned the lesson from the lady, you know, the one where everybody was screaming at each other in the cab of the truck that was drunk, you know, all the other problems we had with that. So I thought, man, and I got Tammy and the kids in the car. So I'm, I'm like, I don't want to leave this guy here in the middle of the road, um, but I'm not putting him in my truck. If he's interested, he can get in the bed of my truck and I'll give him a ride somewhere where he wants to go. So I asked him, he's like, man, that, that would be awesome. You know, um, you know, if you could give me, I don't live far from here. So he turned out he would live not too far from us. So I said, sure, hop in the bed of the truck and I'll, I'll take you home. Well, as he's getting in the truck, it starts becoming apparent he's not sober. <laughs> so my first thought is, you know, me and my wife and kids are pulling out on the highway. And this guy was coming down the highway so drunk, he's stumbling, getting into the bed of my truck. And I'm thinking, you know what? I think I may just drive this guy straight to the police department, you know, and but see if he bails out of the bed of my truck when he figures out where we're going. <laughs> and uh, but but I I, he, you know, he told me where he lived, and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm gonna take him home. Well, we're driving to his house. He's in the bed of the truck, and now he's he's like standing up in the bed of my truck, and he's beating on the cab of my truck, trying to get my attention to tell me how to get to his house. But I know where his house is at, and so now I'm thinking, um, if I just tap the brakes pretty firm about right now. <laughs> He'd go right over the top of the cab, but the only problem is he probably hit my hood, dent my Shame. hood. <laughs> no, I'm like, really, I'm just like, you know, if I thought he wouldn't have hit my hood, I might have let him just go, you know, just hit him, you know, let him, let him go. I didn't, and I'm thinking, man, if this guy falls out of the bed of my truck, you know, he's probably gonna own my house. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, how did I get myself into this one? So we get to where his house is. And I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to say to this guy. I'm not, I don't want to just let him walk off and, and think it's okay, you know. Um, and he's going to get out of the bed of my truck. And he, he and my truck's a little higher than most. It's got, a, you know, a little bit of a lift on it. And he, he swings one leg over the tailgate and he puts it on the, his foot on the bumper behind the, on the bed of the truck. He's swinging the other leg over the tailgate. And it's raining, and, and he's not sober. And guess what? The foot that's on the bumper just goes straight out from underneath him. And, I mean, in a split second, he's, like, level, like he's laying on a bed, but he's, like, six feet off the ground. And it's he's, not funny, but it he is. He dropped like a rock, man. And he was like, pow! And, and, and I don't know if you ever seen anybody with their head, like, pops like a whip, you know, when they oh. fall backwards, and it's just like that, pow! I mean, his head just whopped. And he hit his head on the concrete, and he was out like a light, man. I mean, he was asleep. <laughs> and, and I was just thinking, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> like, that is so awesome. <laughs> and and uh, 
So I just walked over to him and I I I didn't kneel down. I kind of bent over and looked at him and I said, "Hey man, you all right?" <laughs> he didn't say a word. <laughs> he just laid there. And so I just let him lay till he woke up. It wasn't too long, you know, probably 30 45 seconds he was moaning and getting up mm-hmm. and uh and walked in, into his house. But um but I wanted to choke him. Mm-hmm. You know. I really did. And um and, but that's that I wasn't here to tell y'all about that story. I just want to share one of the many more funny stories, we got some stories, mm-hmm. but what we are going to really talk about is is what it means to love your 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 enemies, not just um, wishing they would flip out of the bed of the truck and <laughs> knock themselves out, um, or, or but what do you do? You know, what is the right thing to do? What does it mean to love someone who's driving drunk and mm-hmm. um, and and r- putting other people's lives at risk and putting their own life at risk? You know, is it the right thing to give them a ride home or is it the right thing to uh, to go get the law or take them straight to the police department? Mm-hmm. Or what is the loving thing to do? And so I think it'd be good if we started with some scripture. So Tammy's going to read a couple of scriptures and she has an example she's going to share. And then I have an example and then we'll talk a little, more, little bit more about uh, what forgiveness really is and how that works and what we should do next, you know, but go ahead. Well, the first scripture that comes to my mind was a scripture my mama shared with me just years ago when I was probably 19 years old. It's Luke six twenty-seven to 28. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And so my mom had shared that with me because uh, I was having trouble with probably for, gosh, probably for about three years um, there was a person that was just really ugly towards me. And it, it probably went on even longer than that, but it was like the most harsh for about three years. And my mom would tell me, Tammy, you know, you you need to pray for them. And, you know, my first thought was, I don't want to pray for them. You know, um, my heart just wasn't there. You know, I don't want to pray for them. But my mom you know, talk to me about the scripture. And uh, so I really started thinking about like what I tried to put myself into their, what they were going through, like into their shoes thinking, okay, obviously they have issues, you know, they're they're in whatever they're dealing with in their life. They've chosen to take this out on me (laughs) for some reason. And so um, I realized that I was actually called to pray for them as hard as it was for me to to get that through my head. But so I, I like what you say, that you don't have to like them in order to love them and in order to pray for them. So I can pray for them and I can want what is truly best for them, but I don't have to like them. <laughs> I don't have to like what they're doing to me. So I can honestly say that even when I first started praying for this person, like I didn't want to pray for them, but I felt like I needed to, I needed to, to obey, you know, what the scripture said. And so after a while of praying for them, I actually could feel my heart changing towards them. And even though I didn't want to be their friend, you know, I didn't want to hang out with them. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I still didn't really like them. But I, I could feel my heart change to where I actually felt love for them, and I actually wanted what was truly best for them. 
awesome. And isn't that awesome? Like so, so and that's I know everybody, everybody, nobody wants to hear pray for your enemies. No. I understand that, <laughs> you know. Um, and it sounds like a religious nut thing, you know, like like that's crazy. And and I mean, forever, I just thought, yeah, I mean, I love Jesus, but I don't love all that stupid stuff. <laughs> but but um, but what what really happens, you know, is when you're going through that. If you got two choices, you can pray for them or you can hate them. You can forgive them, you can love them, or you can you can allow them to lead you to become who they are and change who you are. So if you don't do that, eventually you start getting bitter. Mm-hmm. And you start becoming and then for long you're going to be taking your stuff out on someone else. And so you, we're not so we're, it's not that you're praying for them for yourself and it's not that you're that you're that you're trying to love them for yourself, but it's the best possible thing you can do for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's what's so awesome about all of God's word and these scriptures. Because when you first read that, like this is so, this is this is going to make me a doormat. This is going to make me weak. This is going to make this is make me all these different things. But no, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's actually going to make you strong. It's 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 going to fortify the love in your own life, and it's gonna it's gonna keep these people from changing who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's the beautiful thing about. Forgiveness, and I think forgiveness. For I really struggled with forgiveness for a long time because, like, like loving my enemy, I thought forgiveness was a feeling. So I thought it. I thought that if I had forgiven you, that if I saw you, I wouldn't feel what I felt anymore. Or if I had forgiven you, I wouldn't be when I was reminded of what you did. I wouldn't feel what I felt when you did it. But I don't think any of that's like I. And so what I tried to do when I thought and felt like that was I tried to convince myself to feel different. And I felt guilty and shame for feeling what I felt because of what someone else did when I said I'd forgiven them, but I still feel it. And so now I'm like, what's wrong with me when I keep feeling this way when I say I've forgiven them? Well, there's nothing wrong with you. Okay, so forgiveness is you don't have the ability or the power to change your feelings, but you do have the ability and the power to change your choices and what you give your, your attention to. And if you change your choices, like you said, you chose to pray even though you didn't want to pray. And eventually your heart started changing. Mm-hmm. So the fruit of forgiving eventually does lead to different feelings. But we can't start with the feelings. we got to start with the choice. And so I would say, to try to simplify this, I would, try to, I would say that, that forgiving someone is is it's a willingness to say you know what i didn't like it i don't approve of it i'll never ever approve of it but i'm 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 going to do my best to no longer hold it against you i'm just not going to hold it against you anymore you know and so when i remember it i'm going to feel all the same stuff but i'm going to i'm going to put it behind me i'm not going to wallow around in it so much that i feel it so much that i don't want to come choke your you know what i mean put you to sleep or what you know so so it's forgiveness is a decision to no longer hold against someone what they did to you. And if they're still doing it and you love them, you're not going to help them keep doing it. So so don't think it's that that in the name of forgiveness, you're going to keep getting what you want by giving someone else what they want when what they want to do is just take advantage of you all the time. Does that make mm-hmm. any sense at all? So let me paint, an, uh, paint another question quick picture with another story about forgiveness in a situation we found ourselves in where like we really wanted to um 
well, I really wanted to to pay someone back and I couldn't wait to catch them and I couldn't wait to make them pay the price. So we, we had, um, we were building a, a lake that we were going to, I'm a water skier. Some of you know, I'm a ski, water ski jumper. And we were, we were building a lake that I was training in and there was some heavy equipment on the site that, from somebody we had hired. And then there was also my buddy had loaned me some heavy equipment that I was using. And it, it was a rainy day. We didn't work this day. And I come back the next morning, and, you know, if you're digging a lake, it's just a big mud flat. Like, there's no grass left on the ground. You're digging everywhere as much. So when it rains, it's a mud it's a mud pit. And I come back, and my buddy's heavy equipment's in the lake. Like, I'm talking about expensive equipment. And he had loaned it to me. And so I'm like, what's going on here? So I, I go down there, and I get to it, and it's surrounded in a, 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 a like, sheen of oil. Well, you don't ever want to see heavy equipment oil on the ground, engine oil. You're like, what happened? What's going on here? And anyway, long story short, somebody had come and they had driven the equipment in the lake. They drained the oil. They pulled the oil plug, drained the oil with the engine running, burnt the engine up intentionally. They beat the instrument panel in. They beat every light they could beat off his equipment. They they stuffed mud in the power steering fluid, in the hydraulic fluid. I mean, like the most vicious thing you've ever seen. Like what in the world? And then the uh, the bulldozer, they couldn't get in the cab. Thank God there was a cab on that thing. It had been a lot of money. And um, But they stuffed mud in the fuel tank, in the high power steering fluid. So you're like, who did this? Mm-hmm. And... I didn't know I had an enemy, but apparently I certainly do. And they're not just a little mad. I mean, they didn't mind getting muddy and everything else. And they, they, they spent some time and they made a statement. And so I have no idea who this is. And so I spent a couple of days looking and I, 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 there was so much mud. I found where they had kind of come out of the woods to get to the lake and I walked every trail, and I, I, I probably literally spent 48 hours walking trails trying to find any sign of anything. But it's, it's hard to, it's not easy to track, especially when they're doing it in the middle of the rain. But what I found was every, about every 100 yards on one trail, I would see mud on a branch that was four or five feet off the ground. And animals don't walk around muddy. And I'm like, this is the trail they took. It has to be. So I follow that trail, and it comes leads to a fence, and there's mud on the fence. So I'm like, uh-oh. So now I'm trespassing because I'm jumping the fence and I'm heading off and to find out where it is. So I'm talking to everybody I can find, and there's a neighborhood back there. Everybody I can find, I'm talking to them. Word got out that this guy from across the way in his knee boots is strolling around. He's not happy, and he's questioning everybody he talks to. So there's a guy in the neighborhood that that called me, and he figured out what was going on. And the word got out anyway, someone confessed, and – so I thought, oh, man, like, they about to pay the piper. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, this was probably $40,000, $30,000 worth of damage. It was a lot of money. And um, and so I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do, you know. And I get a phone call from a lady, and she's as kind as she can be. And she says, I hate to tell you, but my son is the one who tore up your property and he's um about to be on a a scholarship or he's on a scholarship about to leave for college and this is a felony and he's going to lose his scholarship he's going to lose 
everything. Is there any chance you would consider forgiving him? We'll pay for everything he did. And I'm, I, my first thought was, I don't know if you've ever seen Chris Farley. You know, he's got, he got this line he uses all the time. And I'm thinking, they're thinking he's about to be on a scholarship. I'm saying, I'm thinking, no, he's about to be living in a van down by the river. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm hanging him. I mean, you have no idea what he did. And I've been worried sick for two days, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, then I get a call from a guy in the neighborhood. And he's, he's a stand-up guy. He's law enforcement. And he's like, Kenny... Of all the people in our neighborhood, I'd have never dreamed that that was. He said, "Man, he, that's a good kid." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Man, you got to be kidding me!" Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, don't nobody else tell me how good he is. Come look what he did to me, okay. what he did to our place, what he did to our property. And so I called. So now I get start getting burdened. What am I gonna? What? Why do I do? What am I supposed to do? So I called lawyers that I knew. I called people in law enforcement that I knew. I called game wardens. I probably called seven or eight different people that I thought, I just thought a lot of their opinion and their experience. And every one of them said, man, there's only one, only one right thing to do is he's got to pay the price. He, he did the crime. He, he's going to do the time. Like you got to make him pay the price. And, but I'm, I'm burdened because I had to stop. And this is, this is, this is not easy. Okay, well, whatever anybody's done to you, it's not easy. But I, I had to stop and go, you know what? As bad as I don't, as much as I don't want to ask this question, I have to ask myself, what is best for this kid? Mm-hmm. He's 18 years old. And I had to, you know, just think back on my 18. Now, I didn't do that, but I did some stupid stuff. Yeah. And I did plenty of stuff that could have got me in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I got away with it. And I'm like, what? So now I'm struggling with... What, how do I know what is best for this kid? Like, why do I have to make this decision? Of all people, like, what, how did I get stuck being the judge on this? You know, if, if I make him pay and he doesn't get to go get his education and all that stuff, he did it. But it doesn't matter if he did it. I'm the one who gets, I, he's given me the power to make the choice. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't want it though. But I got to make a decision. And it, what if I, uh, what if I do nothing? And his parents fix everything, and then he just spends the rest of his life tearing stuff up yeah. and wrecking his life. How am I supposed to know what the right thing to do is? I mean, we didn't know. You were right there in the middle it of it with hard. me. It was. So we said, hey, we want to meet him. So the parents arranged where we could go over and meet the kids. And it was it was so hard for me. I was literally crying. Mm-hmm. I remember you were thinking, what are you doing crying? I was like, I don't know. I have no idea why I'm crying because I want to hang them, but I want to do the right thing. I didn't know what to do, you know, but after talking to them and against all the best advice I could get, I just, there was really, there was one of them. I'm not sure if it had just been him, I might've called, I might've filed charges, but the other kid, he just seemed like he really messed up. Mm Mm-hmm. He he just seemed like you know he just he just really messed up, and um and I didn't and his parents gave me the impression that they didn't raise him like that, and so as hard as it was, I just said you know what, if y'all pay for the repairs, we won't do anything about it, and just you know talking about it now, it was tough, but um, but probably that was almost twenty years ago, maybe more than twenty years ago, 
But about 10 years later, uh, I bumped in the old guy from the neighborhood that called me and told me he was a good kid. And he said, hey, man, I just want to tell you, that kid graduated college, he's doing good, mm-hmm. you know. And so sometimes, um, so loving someone does not mean letting them off the hook. You know, it's putting them on the hook. It's, it's sitting down with them. It's like, you know what, we want to talk to them. And I'm going to tell you, if we'd have got there and that kid would have said, hey, you know, you should have done a better job protecting your equipment. I bet you'll protect it better next time. I'd have been like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to start by hanging you, mm-hmm. you know, and or, or we're going like I'm done. This meeting's over, you know, and, and I and I would have known it was the right thing to do. I would have had no guilt, no shame, no nothing. I'd have been free. And I'd have been doing what was best for that kid. Like he would have, what was best for him would have been to face the consequences legally and any any and every other way possible if that's what we would have got. But when we went to him and we felt like we got true repentance, um, the right thing to do was not to, I believe, to give him another shot, you know, and to not hold it against him. And, And we weren't friends or anything else. They paid for our stuff to be fixed. And, um, I'm free. You know, you're free. Like we, he, and, and I'm so grateful. Like, I hope I get to see him again one day. So I literally want to hug his neck yeah. for making it the right decision. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just makes me feel good to know that I made the right, mm-hmm. that we made the right decision, you know? So loving your enemy means doing what you believe is truly best for them. And sometimes you don't know what that is. So it means doing the best you can. Sometimes loving your enemy means they have to face the consequences in every way, shape, form, and fashion because nothing else is going to change their mind. And sometimes you can do all of that, and they're still not going to change their mind. Mm -hmm. But if you did it for them, you're going to be free. And sometimes, unfortunately, (laughs) as much as we want somebody to pay the price, sometimes it means that, that, you know, they don't have to pay the price. You know, that, that we forgive their debt as our debt has been forgiven. Mm-hmm. I mean, and who who hasn't had their debt forgiven? Yeah. Right? So love your enemies. It's hard. And it requires, it'll take a toll on you. It requires um, confronting them and doing your best to understand what is what is truly best for them, even when you may not really know and then making the best decision you can from there and not the one that just lets you off the hook, you know, because if because sometimes it's it's hard. Sometimes it's not what you want to do, but you believe it's truly best for them. And I'm telling you, if you'll do that, it'll be the best decision you could have made and you won't live your life filled with regrets. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't become your enemies by hating them. That's good. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's all for this one. Until next time, trust God's word no matter what. And keep your eyes on the horizon. Thanks for listening to The Right Fight Podcast. Make sure to check out Kenny's book, The Right Fight, for more on how to live a loving life. It's available on their website, shieldsofstrength.com, Audible, and all digital platforms. If you have any questions for the podcast, you can email support at shieldsofstrength.com and put podcast as the subject. And make sure to follow Kenny on Instagram and TikTok at John Kennedy Vaughn. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.